you know, it's always a good start when your mic's not on again. So, <clears throat> some of you probably thought I was going to come out dancing to that music too. So, anyways, um, over the last few weeks, I've been kind of looking and reading over statistics because, of course, mental health has been uh, on the forefront. And what does it look like in a nation and in a world with so much tragedy, so much grief? How do we respond to it? And what are we called to do as a church? And in my research, I discovered that the Harvard University has the Harvard Flourishing Program. Tyler J. Vanderweel and Brandon Case have been studying just society over these last few years and during COVID, and they've written for multiple outlets, including the Washington Post, including the American Bible Society, Christianity Today. And being from Harvard, they don't come from a Christian's perspective. But in Christianity Today in the Washington Post, their article was titled, Empty Pews Are an American Health Crisis. Empty Pews Are an American Health Crisis. Now, some of you might be thinking, of course the pastor's going to say that. It's going to help uh, talk about spiritual habits and other things. But I just found their data fascinating, just for a moment. Think about this. For adults, people that attend church more regularly are less likely to be depressed, less likely to be divorced, better cancer and cardiovascular disease survival. They have greater life satisfaction, greater meaning. For adolescents, they found that regular service attendance helps shield children from the big three, dangers of depression, substance abuse, and premature sexual activity. Now, I don't think what this study is saying is that merely by going to church on Sunday morning that all of these statistics go down. I actually think what this study is saying is that people that value faith and value habits are probably more likely going to engage in things that are going to help their mental health and growth. And so I think it's interesting that we're in this season that there's a lot of questions about organized religion. There's even this phrase deconstructing our faith. And yet we have this study from Harvard that's saying that regular engagement and church attendance tends to curve some of the biggest issues that we face. I want you to hear what Vanderweel and Case say. They say this, this means that Americans' growing dissatisfaction with organized religion isn't just bad news for churches. It also represents a public health crisis, one that's been largely ignored by the effects of which are likely to increase in the coming years. This morning, we're going to be focused on one of our four habits, and it's one of the reasons that we talk about habits, because we believe that spiritual habits lead you to become who Jesus created you to be. And one of those habits is spend time with others. If you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians 3, 12 through 17. We can turn with me there. Our main point this morning is this, your relationships are a barometer of your spiritual growth. Your relationships are a barometer of your spiritual growth. So in Colossians 3, if we were to focus the habit of spend time with others, if we were to pick a passage, this would be one of the top three. The book of Colossians is written to a church that the writer Paul has never been to, 
but he notices that there's some conflict in community, there's some problems. And so in this passage, he's not necessarily dealing with the problem specifically, but he's saying, hey, when a church, when an individual has Jesus at the center of it, that changes in community. So let's read Colossians 3, 12 through 17 together. It says this, Therefore, as God's chosen holy people, dearly love, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all the virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. My first point this morning is this spiritual transformation is not a solo effort. Spiritual transformation is not a solo effort. I think whether you go to church, whether you believe in Jesus or not, I haven't met people that would say, I don't want more compassion. I don't want more humility. I don't want more gentleness. But the way we get there is really, really important. And how we become that person, whether you believe in Jesus or not, it is a process. And so in Colossians, the problem is this, there's two main influences that was causing troubles for Paul to even write this passage. The first influence was Jewish Christians. Now, as you read the New Testament, there were Jewish Christians and there were Gentile Christians. And the Jewish Christians said, hey, it's great that you're following Jesus, but we have these certain laws and practices and rituals and Gentiles and you need to follow suit. And so the Jews were really leading with pride. And they were saying, if you don't do this, you don't belong into the community. And then if you go to Colossians 2, you can write it down and read it later. There's a second influencers. There is these philosophers that were having these supernatural experiences. And they were saying, yeah, Jesus is great, but you need to have these experiences also. And in seeing all of that, what isn't happening is this community, which is very diverse, there's different people from different ethnicities coming together. There's people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different religious backgrounds. What's happening is there's more division than actually people who are learning to become like Jesus. There's two problems when we do solo effort spirituality, when we try to per pursue spiritual transformation on our own. Number one is this, is that we try to do it without Jesus. I can tell you this from the bottom of my heart. It's impossible to become everything you were created to be without Jesus. Every attribute, every habit that's in Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Just take compassion, for instance. You know, we live in a world that's very selective about compassion, very selective about forgiveness. But when you have the values of Jesus, when you have the values of the gospel, of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection in you, there's something powerful that changes you. So number one, you can't do spiritual transformation without Jesus. But then number two, you can't do spiritual transformation without community. What 
the, the problems in Colossians 2 was they reduced Christianity to a bunch of practices and things to do. They said, unless you're doing this, you're not going to be, you're not going to be a part of it. You're missing out. And what Paul is saying here is he goes, your habits are really important, but what's even more important is the person who you're becoming. And the way you work all of that out is in community with other people. You know, so when we think about gentleness, you can be gentle to yourself. And to a degree, I would encourage you to do that. But there's also a stop there. That at some point, you have to be gentle to someone else. At some point, you have to bear with someone else's burdens. And, and whether you believe in Jesus or not, it's Monday morning, Memorial Day, as you go into work on Tuesday, you are going to have opportunities to live this passage out. And the vision that Paul is giving is he's saying this, no, it's not a community of individuals. It's a community of individuals under the banner and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We live in a world that says, hey, you can do spiritual transformation on your own. Go do your own pilgrimage. Go do your own, just have this religious experiment, experience. And what Paul is saying is this, hey, when your identity is rooted in Jesus, when he's changing you and you know who you are, there are certain habits that are gonna help you become who Jesus has called you to be in community. I want you to hear this. Glenn Packiam, he's an author and a pastor from the Colorado area. He says this. He says, formation in the early church was not just on the individual and internal, but rather the communal and the habitual. I want you to read that one more time. Formation in the early church was not focused on the individual and internal, but rather the communal and the habitual. I think what Paul is saying here. And I think what he's encouraging us to do is that spiritual transformation isn't always these huge spiritual revelations or huge spiritual experiences, but it's habitual and communal. There's something about our habits. Even in the church, we say things like your personal relationship with Jesus, and then the burdens on you as the individual and the burdens on me, and it's like, read your Bible and pray and do all these things and, and it seems like it can sound like to check the box, but what Paul is saying, no, your habits, who you are in Jesus, help you become who God created you to be. The mistake in Colossians 2 was the burden was on performance, which was against the gospel. And I want you to just hear me on this. This is why that Harvard flourishing study matters so much. It's not just about the ritual of coming on Sunday morning, even though we think that that's very important, but it's about the habits that are associated with it. It's about how faith and how you're hearing Jesus at work in your lives. You know, I'm the online pastor. I just want to be clear. I think there's wonderful things happening in our online service. There's people that are getting to know Browncroft. There are people that right now can't physically come for various reasons. But I just want to encourage all of you. There's something powerful that happens when we meet together. I want to start here. So how do we live out, spend time with others? How do we live out this habit? It's intentional community in a small group. Once a week, we want you to get together with people 10 to 12 
that, that when you're reading the Bible individually, that when you're praying together, that you're going into this community and you're experiencing Colossians 3, 12 through 17. But I also want you to remember this. There's something powerful that happens when we gather together here. Your habits come out of the identity in Jesus in you. So when we take communion together on a Sunday morning as a reminder of what Jesus has done in the gospel, as what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection on the cross, and even further than that, when we forgive each other before we take communion, living out that passage, that's powerful. When we celebrate baptisms, celebrate our mission of living out life change in Jesus, there's something remarkable that happens. When we sing together, when we pray together, when we admonish one another. So when we're talking about Sunday morning, it's not just showing up on Sunday morning, but it's about the Monday through Saturday. When we talk about these habits, what we're saying is these habits are leading you into a direction of transformation. And believe it or not, whether you're in community or not, you know this, the people that spend the most time with you, they see the best and they also see the worst in you. And so that's a huge burden to do spiritual transformation on your own. You were never created to be alone. You were never created to have the pressure of trying to change yourself on your own. Number one, the beauty of the gospel is this, is God radically changes your life. But then number two, God wants to place you in a community so that you're not alone. One of our recent staff members, uh, her name's Amanda D'Angelo. She recently got married, uh, but we had her on the Why God Why podcast, which is a podcast from our church. And we asked her, why is it so hard to find friends? And she told the story. She moved here to Rochester, number one, to marry Nick, number two, to get a job at Browncroft. Um, so she moves here and she was telling the story. She's like, yeah, you know, the church in Buffalo that I used to be from, you know, I was driving uh, two ways from Rochester to Buffalo to go to my small group. And I like perked up for a second. I said, so you were driving weekly to Buffalo to be part of your small group, two hours to get there. And she was like, yeah. And so I said, what happened? And she said, my small group sat me down and they said to me, they said, hey, um, we love you and we care about you but we want you to find a small group. We want you to practice the habit of spend time with others in a group with Nick in Rochester. And she recently finished Rooted, which we're gonna talk a little bit more about, but it's the way that we shape and form small groups through life change in Jesus. I want you to hear, I, I texted her, I want you to hear what she says about small groups. Amanda says this, small groups provide a consistent and safe community for me to share my life with those who I know will love me, pray for me, challenge my faith, and help me grow closer to Christ. And I love doing the same for them. Hear me out. You were never created to live life alone. You were never created to have spiritual transformation on your own. And at Browncroft, we want to help you live out this habit because we believe on the other side of it. We believe during it, God wants to transform you, you. So number one, spiritual transformation is not a solo effort. Number two, Jesus changes us in relationship. 
with other people. Jesus changes us in relationship with other people. Turn with me to Colossians 3.12. Notice what it says there. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. This um, Colossians 3.12 is actually the verse that we picked for my daughter, Lucy. So my wife allowed me to take this above her crib, but this is the actual sign that we have there. And as I prepared for this message and I thought about that verse, you know, I thought about why did we pick that verse for Lucy? Why, do we, why did we pick it for Lucy? Why do we want Haley to know about this verse, even though it's not necessarily her verse? Why do I want you to know about this verse? I love the way commentator Marion Mine Thompson talks about this verse. She says this, it's a promise and it's a command. It's a promise and it's a command. So the promise is, you are loved and chosen and forgiven and brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But that's not all. The rest of this passage, so if you have your Bibles, you can go to Colossians 3, 12 through 14. There's two lists that are there. And basically it's saying this, when Jesus changes your life, you're meant to be in community with other people. So the first list in Colossians 3.12 is proactive. So we've mentioned this a couple times. It's compassion, humility, gentleness. These are attributes that we live out. And if you notice, these are attributes to help you become more like Jesus. The way that you relate to others. When you're in relationship with other people, and your close proximity, you have opportunity to live those out. But then the second part, the second set of list in Colossians 3.13, it says, bearing with one another's grievances, forgiving one another. This list is focused, how do you respond if there's a problem? And then lastly, in Colossians 3.14, it says this, and all of those are rooted in love. Our culture does relationships haphazardly. Our culture has a way of saying, I can be a friend with you if I agree with you. I can be a friend with you if I have time to do that. But we live in a time that we have to be so intentional about relationships. You know, it's not just the Harvard Flourishing Program, but there's other studies about loneliness and mental health that when you have a committed community together, you begin to grow, you become more of the person that you want to be, but even more importantly, by practicing this habit, you become more of the person that God created you to be. You know, I've really struggled with the tragedies that have happened over the last month and even just the last two weeks. And I totally agree that there are some necessary conversations. You know, there, you know, we're calling for, for comfort and grief and mourning and justice. And, and I believe in all of those things and you can find them in the Bible. But if Paul, the writer of this passage, was standing here today, if he was talking to each of us, this is what I think he'd say to us. Imagine a world where Browncroft Community Church in Rochester, New York, in the United States actually lived this out. They lived out the gentleness, the graciousness, the compassion, bearing with one another's burdens. Imagine, you know, imagine what social media would look like 
Imagine what some of the debates in your workplace would look like if we just lived this out. You know, when we think about Colossians and we think about this church, there was a ton of different people. What one of the main reasons so many people in the ancient time came to know Jesus was they walked into a church and they saw this person's Jewish, this person's Gentile. Why are they together? They shouldn't be. This person, uh, this person's a slave and this person's a free person and they're all together. This person believes this. This person's rich. This person's poor. They're all under one roof. And what Paul says is this. He's saying what unites us in Jesus Christ is stronger than what divides us. And it's messy and it's not simple, but it is the greatest message of the gospel. What would that be like? What would transform us if somebody walked in here and said, that person voted that way and that person voted that way and they're in a small group together? That person's the richest person in Rochester and that person's a blue collar person and they're still in the same small group. Those people are raising hands together. There's a Patriots fan and a Buffalo Bills fan and they're worshiping, God forbid. That is the power of the gospel. We change when we're in relationships with other people. Yeah, Sunday morning matters. And I want to see as many of you come back because I believe it represents a value. But even those other habits of reading the Bible and praying, they're so vitally important. But they're not important unless you're engaging them in a small group, intentional relationships with 10 to 12 other people. There's something that's powerful that happens. If you have your Bible, you can look at Colossians 3, 15 through 17. You know, what Paul says is he gives another group of habits. And again, don't forget this. This is a community that's in conflict, that's upset with each other. This is a community that, that there's some people that feel ostracized. And this is what he says to them. He says this, admonish one another, encourage one another. It's really hard to encourage someone that you don't have a relationship with. It's really hard to admonish someone, even to know that they need it. It's about a habit. It's about being in community. And then you think about this, it, singing songs together. It matters when we sing worship songs together. It matters when we show up here on Sunday morning. And let me just be really personal, okay? We play worship songs at my house. It's really hard to yell at my wife or daughters if the goodness of God's playing. Just try it out. Really hard. I think what Paul is saying here and what he's encouraging us and he's giving us this beautiful vision of what God wants to do in community. What he's saying is this. He's saying, hey, you're a new person in a new community bound by the love of Jesus Christ. And when you sing together, when you admonish one another, and then in Colossians 3, 17, whatever you do, when you do that, for the glory of God, life-changing things happen. So number one, spiritual transformation was never a solo effort. Number two, Jesus changes us in relationship with other people. I wanna kind of point this out. So I've told you about Rooted. We have this small group. 
uh, a small group is Lee and Jill Tightsworth. And so Lee and Jill, they've been longtime Brown Crofters. They're, they took their small group through Rooted. And one of the things we ask every Rooted group to do is this. We ask them to serve. And we want them to find a place to serve. And two or three Sundays ago, I'm sitting in my, I'm sitting in my living room and my phone's blowing up with text messages. And it's Mike Weston, who's the executive director of his branches. And his branches exists so that we can, um, it, we support the community. There's people that have medical needs. There's people that have mental health needs. They've been our partners for decades. And he's just texting me back. He's like, your small group just blessed us. The Tightsworths came in and they, they did some yard work with their small group. The kids even got involved. They painted um, the area there. And he's like, we've been waiting for, to get this project done. And what Lee and Jill said to me is they said, hey, this was a powerful experience. You know why? Because when you're in a small group, it's not enough just to do a Bible study and pray together and talk together. There's something that happens when you rub elbows with the person that annoys you the most in small group when you work together. No one annoys each other in the tights or a small group. Maybe that's just me. Anyways, um, but there's something that happens. And Jesus transforms us too when we go places that we would never go on our own. Jesus transforms us when we're in community with people that we would never think that we would be in community with. Relationships are a barometer to your spiritual growth. Are you going places? Are you meeting people? Are you in a small group with people that are helping you grow? My last point is this. It's just a habit, spend time with others. Spend time with others. So each Sunday I come and I go to room 810 and do the live stream with the hosts and inevitably at about 8.50 I get a knock on my door and it's my daughter Haley, and she's screaming, and she's four years old, and she's all excited. And I get the opportunity to walk her down to her small group um, in family ministry. And what I love about this small group is there's four small group leaders. There's Lynn Schiller, Joanna King, Sue Goldfoyle, and Leah War, And they are just awesome. So Haley gets this Valentine's coloring page. She's coming back and she's talking about the Bible. And, and even at, at four years old, she's practicing this habit of spend time with others. The other day, you know, I don't know what happened in small group, but we were having this conversation about living out the love of God. And we said, hey, you know, when you're in, when you're in small group and there's someone that's sitting by themselves, make sure you invite them over to your table. Do you know what dividends that pays for a four-year-old later on? That's an eternal investment. And guess what? There's gonna be a day that Haley is not gonna wanna listen to her dad. And I love her and, and she's gonna be going through things and she might not wanna listen to her mom. But here's what I'm hoping is that as she's in Browncroft, that she has a small group leader and she has friends here and that she's lived out this habit in such a way that she can experience Jesus and that she has the support that she needs. That's true for my daughter Haley and that's true for all of you. You were never meant to do this life alone. There's gonna be a graphic that comes on the screen. I wanna just give you folks some time to, 
to really respond to this message. So can you grab your phones? And, you know, for some of you, I want to, as you're grabbing your phones, I want to start with some of you that are in small groups and you're committed and you're doing this and you're practicing this, ha- practicing this habit of spend time with others. I would just ask you this. Are you experiencing Colossians 3, 12 through 17? You know, you can even text your small group right now. Where do we need to grow in gentleness, compassion, bearing with others? That's, that's a great way to say, hey, how are, this re- how are these relationships a barometer to my spiritual growth? But for the rest of you, I, I just want to talk to you and kind of give you my heart. You know, as this graphic points out, there's, there's two ways that you can get involved in helping people experience life change in Jesus in small groups and the habit of spend time with others. Number one, for those of you that aren't in a small group, this is your time. How do we help you get into a small group? Well, this Sunday, we launched the registration for summer groups. Summer groups are a short term. They're four to six weeks over the summer. They're focused on different discipleship issues, whether it's prayer. Some of them have to do with relationships. There's actually two for parenting. There's a number of different ways. Why are we doing this? Because number one, we want you to help. We want to help you connect with other people. And we also want you to grow spiritually centered around a, a topic that you need help with. It's at browncroft.org connect. Why do we do summer groups? Well, our hope for summer groups is this. For those of you that don't have a consistent small group yet, we want to help you do that. And the way we do that is through Rooted. Rooted is a 10-week experience. Jill and Lee Tightsworth went through it. Amanda went through it, as we talked about. And it's focused on seven rhythms, which match really well with our habits. And what we found is that people who are in new groups and rooted, they end up sticking in their small groups long-term because it's so powerful that as people pray together, as people serve together, as people talk about generosity and these really difficult topics together, there's something really powerful that happens. So maybe for some of you, it's, I need to get into a group. But I want to talk to some of you longtime Brown Crofters, some of you longtime people that are part of our family. I want to challenge you. You know, some of you say this to me, well, you know, I need to know more about the Bible and you've been following Jesus for like 20, 30 years. Maybe I need to pray. And I ask you about spiritual growth. Maybe for some of you, the way you're going to help Browncroft live out this habit is you're going to help start a small group. We have a small group leadership training that's August 21st. And I want you just to consider that maybe God's calling you to take a risk to do something that you thought you would never do, just to take this risk. And we ask every new small group leader to go through Rooted. And and the reason we do that is we believe that Rooted helps shape our discipleship culture. I just want to be super clear about that. It's not just about a program. There is some common language. There's 500 people that have been through Rooted and each one of them looks to their leader. We can't start new small groups without healthy leaders helping us. As I said last service, you know, longtime Browncrofters like Adele Bovard led a group. You know, I'm thinking about Matt and Katie Peglo who have led multiple groups. You know, and I think about these individuals and what they, what they tell me is they get far more out of it because maybe God is calling you to take a risk. And I just want to tell you, hey, this summer I'm leading two groups. I'm not asking you to go somewhere I'm not willing to go.
You know, as we close this service, I know that there's a lot. And for some of you, I, I, I'm hoping that you just take this next step. But I want to just impress this on you. There's a world out there that's lonely. There's a world out there that is looking for hope. And can you imagine if just 20 Brown Crofters committed to living out Colossians 3, 12 through 17? Can you imagine if 100, if 200, if 400? Hey, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to my small group. What's a small group? Well, no, it's the place where I grow and become more like Jesus and I help others do that. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? I'm going to church on Sunday and it's my habit to do so because I see this as a place to become more like Jesus. When I think about these tragedies, it's not just about the habits, it's about becoming the people that God has called us to be. And we can't do that without being in relationship with other people. Can you stand with me together? You can close your eyes and bow your heads. I just want to pray over you. If you'd like, uh, I want to pray a blessing. You can just extend your hands as a way to represent that you're receiving this blessing. Now may the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the empowerment and the encouragement of his Holy Spirit be with you. May you never live under the pressure that spiritual transformation is by yourself. May you never live under that burden knowing that Jesus is with you and wants to change you, knowing that you are called to a community of faith. May you realize that Jesus changes you in relationship with other people and may you gloriously live out the habit of spend time with others and finding a small group and engaging your life to become the person that God has called you to be. I pray this all in the name of the resurrection and life and I pray that this Memorial Day that God would bless your socks off. Amen. As we close today, um, you know, if you're newer to Browncroft, we do, um, we do have a table and a gift for you. Um, and I just encourage you, I think the best way to close this message is uh, go get to know someone you don't know. Anyways, have a great Sunday.